1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Buddy, do you want to go out to the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline? Covers the Cleveland Cavaliers as part of the Locked on Cavs podcast. He is Evan Damorel joining us right now. Evan what do you think? If you strapped on a football helmet, could you go out and kick some of these field goals that K. Jork can't seem
0: to make? Absolutely not. Um, absolutely <laughs> not. I'm just going to be fully, fully honest. I, uh, my, my dad was playing catch with us as kids. And he realized we both had, me and my brother both had stone hands. And he's like, Well, this is why I played offensive line and linebacker in high school. I think my boys should go do the same. So
1: there you go. That, yeah, that, that sums it up. You knew, you knew your gene pool did not allow you to do something like catch the football, kick the football. So it's yeah. good that you can at least own up to that. That's good. Um, let's talk about the Cavs. Obviously, a, a win last night, 5 and 0 now in overtime. They seem to thrive in those tight games and those tight situations, which is an impressive thing. But in the, in the same vein, like that felt like a game with no Luka Doncic in it where the Cavs probably shouldn't have been, it shouldn't have been as close as it was, probably should have won a little bit easier. And I just wonder like are they developing a habit of with teams that they should beat? Cuz we've seen this on the road quite a bit too, most recently in San Antonio, that they kind of just go into it coasting a little bit and then try to flip that switch in the fourth quarter.
0: I think recently, yeah, you could say that, but if you look at the entire encapsulation this season. I do think about that game in Detroit where they're down Donovan Mitchell or down Darius Carlin, and they go in with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, just as, you know, the two stars there. And they they, uh, they they beat up the Pistons quite quite easily. But I do wonder if maybe just this season being a bit of a grind. I do wonder if this game, the second game, goes back-to-back. I know you can make a lot of off-court excuses, like Cleveland didn't land until – 4 a.m. on Thursday morning, according to J.D. Baker staff. So, like, they were kind of pressed for sleep time and everything in between just leading up to that game on Friday. But it's tough to fully encapsulate what is going on with this cast team. I just think it's it's an 82-game ride. I just don't think every game is going to be perfect. I think there are going to be moments where the offense just sputters out, and I think the late-game execution is definitely something worth monitoring and maybe questioning at times, and – I think if you're Cleveland, you're thanking your stars. You got Donovan Mitchell this off season because he's been absolutely unreal in those late game situations, or especially in overtime. I, I know Cleveland only won the overtime period last night four to three, but more often than not, Donovan Mitchell's the guy who's just consistently bailing them out when the Cavs just need a bucket or somebody to go get them points.
1: Talking with Evan Damerel on the hotline, you bring up Donovan Mitchell. Obviously, he's been just so impressive worth every first-round draft pick that they traded for him to this point. I guess I ask you because every single night he's out there closing out a game, putting up big numbers, and he gets the the MVP chance raining down on him over at Rocket Morgan's Fieldhouse. You get to see this firsthand in person at the arena quite a bit, and I think we all are obviously all inspired by what he's been doing. If you had a vote, we're a little over a quarter of the way through the season, coming up on almost a half the halfway point of the season, really, because we're only ten games out from that. Um, mm-hmm. Would he be the front runner in your eyes for MVP?
0: I wouldn't say front runner necessarily. I think he's in a conversation. You have to put it in context, like Jason Tatum and the Celtics are having an incredible yeah. year. It's still pretty wild to think that the Celtics have really lost, and they have two losses to Cleveland this year, but. Um, there's him, there's obviously Giannis, who well, always be in the conversation, of course. I think Joel Embiid is playing out of his mind. So I think Donovan is in the conversation. I actually asked J.B. Vickersteph about this after Friday's game, and he said, listen, I'm sure you heard the fans, but you've been watching Donovan up close all season long. I said, do you think he should be in the MVP race? And J.B. was pretty blunt about it and said, yeah. And he said, in recent years, a lot of guys put up impressive counting stats or things like that, and wins aren't taken into consideration. And the fact that Donovan has just been so paramount and to this Cavs team winning on a nightly basis that he's like, a guy should be definitely taken into consideration at the end of the day. And I I agree with him. I made a case for it early in the season, just when Darius Garland was down, and like, listen, this might be something worth watching just because Donovan Mitchell is. Playing out of his mind, and he said multiple times he's like I, I'm having fun playing basketball games. Like he said, that, that's no disrespect. To his time in Utah, or how things ended in Utah, but like he was he was frustrated with just how like it felt like the Jazz were hitting a wall a little bit, and just like it's a fresh situation, and he's having fun. And I think it's a little infectious. But again, yeah, I think he should be in the conversation for MVP. I don't know if he can outright win it, but. If you're looking at honors and things like that, like all NBA definitely feels realistic. I do not envy the voters who have to vote at the guard position for first team and second team all NBA, but we'll see how it goes. I just think, you know, it's testament to how talented the NBA is right now. Just because you, like I said, you have Jason Kaden, you have Giannis, you you have Luka Doncic, you have... Joe Lnd, and then you have Donovan Mitchell as well. He's in the conversation, but we'll just see how the season goes. Like you said, we're almost at the halfway point, technically speaking, but there's still a lot of basketball to be played. So maybe Donovan makes a more compelling argument if those guys cool off.
1: Are you concerned at all about his his usage, his minutes? Because I mean, listen, you get you get a guy like Donovan Mitchell with the idea that yeah, he's going to be a key contributor for you. He's going to be your closer. He's going to be able to score. <laughs> But you also get him with the idea of this team had a lot of talent already and they don't have to – one person shouldn't have to shoulder all that. I think that was kind of the vision here. And at this point he has had to do that. I understand early on you brought up the Darius Garland injury. Like he was the offense. He kind of had to take on a little bit more then. But with Garland kind of back in the lineup, are you concerned at all about him playing north of 37 minutes quite a bit on, on on a lot of nights? And is that something that's sustainable you think for the whole season?
0: I don't think it's sustainable, and I'm, I'm quietly concerned about it. Um, I think it's just the Cavs are a little banged up on the back end of their rotation right now, so maybe they're not able to stretch out things to nine, ten players because consistently it's about seven or eight guys right now from yeah. J.B. Bigger set, with um, Jetty Osman or Isaac Okora being a bit of a wild card on who gets more minutes in the second half. But your consistent guys off the bench right now are Kevin Love and Kara Silvert, and you'd assume when – Ricky Rubio comes back and he's healthy and upright. He kind of becomes like that eighth guy who gets consistent minutes. And then again, it's a core on Austin. So maybe that's your nine, ten-man rotation. But it is tough because I have noticed, like, holy cow, Donovan, I mean, north of 37 right now, but last week or even two weeks ago, he was averaging about 40 minutes per game. And that's more than he's ever played per game in Utah. Last year, he with the Jazz, he averaged about 36-ish minutes per game, and that was a career high for him. And It's, it's going to probably be taxing a little bit just because the Cavs are a team that learned the hard way last season that when other guys were down, they turned to Darius Carlin and said, All right, Darius, we need you to do anything and everything on offense for us for 48 minutes and just kind of just grind it out for us and hopefully you can sustain it and we saw Darius back kind of give out and become a re- recurring issue for cleveland last season so i'm not too concerned right now just because mitchell is i mean everyone's dealing with aches and pains at this point in the season i think his ankle injury that's going to be just like a thing the Cavs monitor going forward. maybe afford him days to rest him but I just think until they kind of figure out this offensive rut they're in, just in general, because the Cavs have kind of come back down to earth in dramatic fashion in terms of just their offensive identity, um, they're going to be a little bit more reliant on Donovan Mitchell. But, again, it's such a long season. It's hard to say, like, if we're talking about having this conversation in March, is it going to be the same situation? It it could be. Let's be honest. It could be. But, also, you could assume maybe Evan Mobley continues to get more comfortable out there, taking more three pointers and becoming more of a factor on the offense, or Jared Allen kind of figures out his connection again kind with of like Darius Garland as those two kind of get healthy and upright and learn kind of how to play with Donovan Mitchell. It's a process. I never expect them to be fully perfect. I think the Cavs are ahead of schedule in the grand scheme of things offensively, but for now, I think it's just a necessary thing for Cleveland, but if they have more depth or if they have more options to kind of lean on with the bench, I think you'd see less Mitchell minutes, but it's just not the reality of the situation right now. So maybe yeah. that's just something they address at the trade deadline. Cause it's something I think everyone's stressing now is like, they need to get some three point shooting and wing depth out there just to yeah. make it easier on everybody else.
1: Well, we'll talk about the trade deadline and, and some things they maybe need to adjust here coming up, but we are talking to Evan Damarell in the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. He does the write-down Euclid newsletter. He's with Fear the Sword, Locked on Cavs. He covers all things Cavs. Um, Evan, we talk about depth and getting guy or trying to cut down minutes for Donovan Mitchell. I guess I wonder, what does Ricky Rubio's role look like on this team when he gets back? We know earlier this month he was cleared for five-on-five. He should be working his way back at some point, but he's not going to be the same player he was last year. He's coming back from a serious knee injury. How do you think he fits into the Cavs' plans this iteration of this team.
0: Well, JB Bickerstack did put this pretty nicely that the Cavs do have their like their home for the next six games, and there's four games left that they're at this home stand right now. So they have a lot of practice opportunities. The Bickerstack has stressed that like Rubio has certain 10 poles he needs to clear in order to get back on court with Cleveland. And I think one of the biggest things is just handling five on five contact situations to make sure like Everything feels right, like you're playing full board for a couple plays or something like that, and you just kind of figure out the rotations and things like that. But the only bad thing is is the Cleveland Chargers are in Vegas right now for the annual G-League Showcase Cup, and Bicklestack kind of alluded to that, saying like, hey, if the Chargers were here, I think they'd send Ricky down to practice with them a little bit more, maybe just get a little bit – I wouldn't say easier rest because – I have no disrespect to the charge. <laughs> One through 15, they can annihilate me one-on-one in a basketball situation. But yeah. it's obviously a little bit of a step down from playing at the NBA level. So it's easier to uh, acclimate a guy to a rotation in a basketball situation. But it, it's a fair question. Um, I want to I say I have a definitive answer, but I physically don't know where Ricky Rio's at. Um, I don't know where he's at mentally. Is. All signs point to him being right on all of those capacities, like I watched him and Dylan one go back and forth quite a bit the other day after the cast had shoot around on Friday, but it's, it's a completely different nature on one-on-one versus like an actual live game situation. So I would assume Cleveland eases review back in a little bit. Maybe they monitor his minutes, kind of just make sure he's feeling right just because... You should be concerned with him carrying the same ACL twice and the fact that he's kind of at the downward slope point of his career that, like, he's going to be cognizant of that. And they're not going to rush him back. though, is the thing. Like, my, my friend Danny Cunningham pointed out to me the other day, like, yeah, they they, they didn't sign him. They, they didn't think he was going to be, like, the, not the long term answer, but the more immediate answer for so backup point. They want to sign him to a three year deal. Maybe they would rush him back. In the event they don't have him on that three-year Good contract. Point. But yeah. I think in terms of play style, you saw it a little bit last year, right before he blew out his knee, and we're almost about a year removed from, from over 10 days away from it being a year since he had that injury against New Orleans. But Rubio's coming back down to earth a little bit. So I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, he's a bigger body guard. He does a lot of just unique things with the Cavs last season. I think they'll try to do again. I don't think they'll get the same results. Um, I think you'll maybe get some flashes of what that player was last year for Cleveland, but I think you're going to maybe get, like, 7.5 to 8, a little bit maybe more to 8 points per game, 4, or 5, 6 assists a night, and just more than anything gets Kevin Love steady. I think that's the biggest thing is, like, you watch how inconsistent Kevin Love's kind of been at times off the bench this season. And yeah. sure, Love has that thumb injury, but, like, Ricky Rubio kept Kevin Love pretty steady. To start last season and kind of really start that forward race for Kevin Love to be considered six man of year. So we'll see what happens. I think it's just going to be a process, and it's it's not going to be foolproof until maybe golly. I mean, when when he comes back, and then maybe like a month, yeah, month and a yeah. half, and then we'll have like a pretty solid like body of work to say this is where he's at physically, this for is sure. what he's doing, and then obviously we'll ramp up his minutes. But like. Because that said the other night, like, no, you'll never see Ricky Rubio playing 30, 35 minutes again just because they want to make sure physically they don't put him in harm's way, especially Makes after sense. coming off yeah. a major knee reconstruction.
1: It's going to take time is the is the bottom line. Uh, real quick with this next one to get us out of here. Uh, you talked about Karis LeVert earlier. It seems like his ideal role that he's kind of embracing now is coming off the bench as kind of the leading scorer of that second group. But what can the Cavs sustain... This sort of carousel rotation of guys at the three, where you're putting in different guys each night, or is that something you think they really are going to be looking hard at to address at the deadline?
0: I think it's something they have to, not, not just that they look at, they have to address the deadline, or if they come up with a, like, a more temporary answer to do at the season, just because I stands, the starting three for the Cleveland Cavaliers isn't on this roster, and I think mm. Dean Wade makes the most sense at the end of the day right now, just because Wade provides you three-point shooting, rebounding, and a little bit of defense. And Dean Wade just plays hard. I think that's that's the thing that's most endearing about him. And like no disrespect to like guys like Lamar Stevens or Isaac Okoro, but neither of them are really reliable three-point shooters. And in today's NBA, if you're trying to play the two-seven footers at the four and the five, you need to have shooting at the three spot and also the one and the two, which you have from Mitchell and Garland, just to kind of give those. Dean Wade is the temporary answer, and we'll see how Wade is doing with his shoulder recovery. Bickerstaff did say the other day he's progressing slowly, so I like, can't go much deeper than that, but we'll see how it goes from there. But I think it's, it's something they address the trade deadline this year. Like, I've been kind of combing around the league a little bit. I think guys worth keeping an eye on is Josh Richardson in San Antonio and Doug McDonald in San Antonio. I think Luke Kennard and Robert Covington from the Clippers could be options, too, if Los Angeles kind of continues to be frustrated just how much money they're throwing off at their bench players and not really getting the production for it. But we'll, we'll see. I just don't think the permanent answer is at the, the three spot. And to your point, Karis Levert went to J.D. Dickerson and said, like, hey, it's not working with me starting the three. Like defensively, they were kind of getting shredded with Levert. Mitchell and Garland just playing together and like for long stretches. And then Robert's also just kind of being mitigated in terms of usage, just because his most useful action is the fact that he's able to score in a lot of spots on the floor. But when you're sharing the floor with Mitchell and Garland so much, you're not getting a lot of those opportunities. So I I give credit to the staff for having the foresight to kind of say, Hey, this isn't working. We should shake things up a little bit just because. You can lose a lot of them really quickly if you keep losing like this, and you can also just kind of lose just the season in general if you keep playing like this, and we'll we'll see how it goes. I think Laverge's adjusting very well to this role. I think it took him a little bit just because he's dealing with injury on top of that, but he's looking good out there. I think he is the solid sixth man and kind of becoming the player the Cavs were hoping they traded for, and... He still has the ability to go after 40 points like he did against Boston a couple of nights ago. So we'll see what happens. But I think the Cavs are an interesting spot, but they are a little flawed right now as a team. And I think that's just kind of the nature of things. When you go all in to get Donovan Mitchell, you now have to kind of reassess what you have and then for sure. see if there's ways to address those needs with a limited cache of assets now on your war like, chest.
1: He's Evan Damero. One half of the Locked on cast podcast does great work. You can follow him on Twitter at amnotevan. Evan, appreciate your brother. As always, we'll definitely do it again soon. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds?